There's the man in Passaic, New Jersey, who has 3,684 beer bottles, all different and all filled. This, you may think, is a pretty stupid hobby. You might also take a dim view of collections of matchbook covers, liquor labels, gummy postage stamps, ships in bottles, rusty old guns and used G-strings. But what would you say to collecting dames? How to start? Well, you might want to go down to Bogota, Colombia and get a sultry type in exchange for your passport and other personal papers, which are much needed by fleeing revolutionaries. You could go among the Papuans in New Guinea and pick off an imported Tasmanian in exchange for a carload of Australian beer. Or you could just go to Italy and adopt one out of an orphanage. Welcome back to Stop Reading That. That, my friends, is from an article entitled Collecting Pretty Girls from the March 1959 issue of Girl Watcher. And if you felt just a little bit skeeved out listening to that, trust me, I felt the same way reading it. But before I get started on Girl Watcher, I read a very interesting novella last night called Running Wild by J.G. Ballard. I don't really know who my audience is, but I suspect that the people who listen to this show, if they have not already been introduced to J.G. Ballard, would probably like him. Ballard is probably best known for the novel Crash which David Cronenberg made into a movie. And when I talk about Crash, I don't mean the one set in L.A. that won a bunch of Oscars. This was a novel about people who get turned on by car accidents. And then they go about trying to recreate famous car accidents. It is very strange, very creepy, and with its NC-17 rating, is not intended for children. However, I'm talking about Running Wild here. And I gotta say, I, I checked Running Wild out from the archive yesterday. You can't just download it on the archive. You actually have to check it out, which means you have to create an account. It's free, but right now you'll, you'll have to get on the waiting list because I still have it. But Running Wild is a short novel, about 100 pages, about a mass murder that takes place in a very posh, gated community in England. And aside from all of the adults in the gated community being murdered, all of the children have been kidnapped. And the novella is told in the style of a mystery with a detective and a psychiatrist sort of trying to figure out who done it. I gotta say that as far as the actual who done it goes, I was not very surprised. I kind of saw it coming. But what makes it so 
compelling is just the way that Ballard sets the whodunit up. It's extremely detailed and extremely creepy, and I read the thing in one sitting. Uh, around 1 o'clock last night, my wife is like, you want to go to bed? No. Then around yeah, 1.30, do you want to go to bed? All right, we can go to bed, but I, I'm going to keep reading. And I finally finished the thing around 2 a.m. I just didn't want to put it down. So check out Running Wild by J.G. Ballard. You'll really enjoy it, I think. It's short. It's a page turner. It's a very good introduction to Ballard's writing. But speaking of extremely creepy, we will get back to the subject at hand, which is Girl Watcher. Now, Girl Watcher is a magazine from the late 50s and 1960s. And in all fairness to Girl Watcher, that little bit that I read at the beginning is probably the creepiest thing I've seen in it. What we have with Girl Watcher is sort of a combination of fictional stories weird, humorous wish fulfillment, and very tame cheesecake photographs. And the standard setup in Girl Watcher is there'll be a story written by some guy that will say something along the lines of, well, you know, I was driving through country, through the country on a business trip, and I stopped for gas, and there was this lovely dame by the side of the road, and I took my camera out, and she just could not stop posing for me. And then that story will be accompanied by a handful of pictures that might show a little bit of bloomer in them. And so the pictures themselves are probably even tamed by the standards of early Playboy. But what I find really funny about Girl Watcher is the stories. And I'll... Uh, I'm going to read you one. This is uh, this is in a section called Correspondence from Afar, write about girl watching around the world. And you're going to have to pardon me because the text is a little hard to read. This These are old copies. An amateur wine taster we know swears on a stack of empty sherry goblets that he has discovered a new wine called Rosy Bottom. A ruby port distilled from grapes stomped on by nude women doing the Italian version of the rock and roll. It was during a recent guided tour of Naples, Italy, our, friends, our friend writes us, that he suddenly became annoyed with Cook's touring and decided to do a little private cooking of his own. Ditching the touring party, he hailed a cab and made a hand sign to the driver, indicating someone tipping a bottle to his lips. The cab driver understood immediately and nodded his head vig vigorously. The cab bolted perilously through the small Italian streets, up hillsides, and down back up over other hillsides and through a dark mountain tunnel. I'm going to skip down briefly to where they get to the winery. As he walked inside, our friend's eyes almost popped out of their sockets. Under the hot glare of a mid-afternoon sun, a dozen completely nude women of various shapes and sizes, their bodies splattered with red stain, 
danced, jiggled, and wiggled like crazy jitterbugs crushing grapes with their bare feet to the music of an inebriated guitar player. The dancing was taking place in a giant wooden vat filled with red grapes. On the ground around the vat were cast-off women's dresses and underthings. A short, fat-bellied little man, fully clothed, the owner of the winery, was tearing at his hair and ple pleading with two uh, uniformed policemen sitting at a table drinking wine. They ignored him and clapped hands in rhythm to the wild guitar music, shouting encouragement to the nude dancers. And that's just one of several of these goofy little stories. And what I find so strangely refreshing about something like that is in the year 2018, even Playboy is whining about toxic masculinity. So it's just strangely wonderful to look back on something from the early 60s or the late 50s and just see this kind of casual, flippant, joking sexism. You could just see Girl Watcher being held up as Exhibit A in some gender studies seminar as an example of early 60s rape culture. In fact, I'll even admit that being fairly well miseducated myself it's actually kind of hard to read stuff like that and not immediately see the sort of um, sexual Marxist victim and oppressor politics. I think that that mindset is something that so permeates our culture that it's hard to see past. Something like Girl Watcher nowadays would almost have to be a reaction to that sort of thing. Whereas I get the feeling that in its time this was kind of something that I think both men and women could have laughed off. You know, maybe your girlfriend or your wife will kind of tut disapprovingly, but she knows that it's not that big a deal. In fact, just because I find it amusing, I'm going to read you uh, from another article called So You Want to Be a Model, Huh? And it says, If you have a shape like Ava Gardner, a pair of stoplights like Jane Mansfield, and a pair of stems like Brigitte Bardot, you'll probably never have a chance as a model because some nasty old movie scout will throw his net around you before you can say, how's this for a pose? But if you happen to be just one of the 57,863 ordinary, everyday, super beautiful American females in search of fame, uh, fame urban rappers, and a collection of millionaire pen pals, then your surest bet is to become a model. Why not? No work, big pay, and never a dull day. Why be a dope and hand out free snapshots of yourself in a bathing suit to thin walleted to your thin walleted boyfriend? You can be standing casually in front of an easy freeze refrigerator and incidentally a camera with your best leg forward and click you receive a check for $25 in payment for your work that is through before you can fully expand your chest. 
And you get yourself into papers and magazines read by all the best people and a lot of the other ones. Of course, there are a few things to keep in mind. Before setting out on a model's, a model's career, a girl ought to stand in front of her boudoir mirror and give herself a critical self-analysis. Once over to you, honey. Now remove as, as much of what you're wearing as the peeping Tom in the window across the way can stand. Take a tape measure and jot down the following notes. Height, hips, bust, waist, calves, phone number, who do you love? Who is your favorite laundry man? Now you are ready to light out on the nearest modeling job. Oops, sorry, close back on please, at least going through the door. Where and how to get there is your next problem. Pick up your local classified telephone directory and thumb through arc welders, artichokes, artists. Take down a few studio numbers on a small piece of cardboard and tuck it inside your shoe, the one with the hole in the bottom. Now walk, don't run, to your first address. And all of this, by the way, the part that I find just really funny is that the whole magazine is sold as though it is a magazine geared toward professional photographers. The whole thing has this sort of tongue-in-cheek faux respectability, which, by the way, Playboy used to have as well. The sort of plausible deniability of the magazine is that, no, this isn't some cheesy magazine with pictures of good-looking girls and mildly raunchy stories. No, this is for the working professional out there. And if some of you other weirdos just happen to be buying it, well, that's not our fault now, is it? And really, that kind of segues nicely into the review. Which is to say, well, who would I recommend Girl Watcher to? Well, aside from what I think is kind of an interesting primary source document view on a different time, I actually think that with our culture the way it is right now, with all of the salons and the Huffington Posts and the neutered versions of Vice and Playboy that are out there, it's really nice to see a... Uh, how do I put this politely? A much less stick-up-the-ass version of our own culture. And not one that is merely reacting to the current zeitgeist. I mean, yeah, the part about adopting a girl from the orphanage, that's kind of creepy. Admit, I admit it. But for the most part, it's just a humorous little magazine. And I think it gives a real wink and a nudge to the reader. And frankly, it's just kind of a nice antidote to all of the stuff that we're seeing right now. I know that one day this boring, politically correct regime will go away. It just will, because these things are all cyclical. But until then, you can see the sort of goofball fun that people used to have.
So I think that the magazines like Girl Watcher and like Whisper and some of the other ones that I've reviewed, they just work really well in that context. So I appreciate you listening to Stop Reading That again. Uh, once again, if you are watching this on BitChute and you have not hit the subscribe button, I really recommend that you do something about that by hitting the subscribe button. Also, uh, if you want to hear more books, if you want to hear more magazines, if you want to hear more fanzines, if you want to hear more something I haven't mentioned and you want to mention it, if you'd like to hear me review something that I haven't gotten around to or maybe I haven't even heard of, leave me a comment on BitChute. Um, as you can tell, I'm pretty open when it comes to material. So, once again, thanks for listening. Uh, I do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I will be talking to you soon. I don't have a plan on what the next topic will be. Heck, Girl Watcher and uh, Running Wild were sort of a last-minute thing. So, anyway, until then, I hope you enjoy your day. Goodbye.